You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Now, last week, some of you may not have been here. The sermon was actually based from Matthew 16, uh, the verses are 13 through 20. And as the main part is, Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And so Jesus was asking about, this led us into a discovery of God's identity. Because we looked at two things, our identity, God's identity. And we started off, we went with Exodus 34, most of you remember that, and we, that's when thunder, lightning, smoke, Moses is up on the mountain, and God is going to show him his goodness. But here's what he says. Here's how God, and what we're trying to show is how God intimately reveals himself to each of us specifically. He, we have a general revelation. Then he reveals himself to his people. Then he comes to each of us and says, this is who I am. And so here's the father. He, I'm not going to read the whole verse, but he, goes, he talks about he's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in lovingness and truth. He says, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives inequity, transgression, and sin. He's, here's, what he's, here's what God said to Moses. Hey, this is how they talk about me in heaven. And we, we have a different percept, perceptive sometime, or perception sometimes of who God is. That's the Father. I just described someone most of you would call Jesus. But that was the Father. Then we moved from there. We looked at Isaiah 61, the first seven verses. And we talked about how Jesus revealed intimately. And some of us each have a different part of that revelation of how Jesus moves. We saw him saying, except, I'm going to move you from this to this, this to this. He's going to take the negatives of our lives and turn them positive. I'm going to take your, your shame and make it something positive. I'm going to take a destroyed and, and rebuild it. So Jesus is saying, I've come here to do more than forgive you. I've come to restore you to the way you were intended. And we see that in that verse. So we see this intimacy. And so we mentioned how one part might be really important to you, Flo might go, wow, that's it. Everything, everything for me. And I'm like, all right. And then I see another part, and she's like, I don't get that. And I'm like, you don't? Because it's personal. Yeah. Then we saw the, the, uh, the Holy Spirit. And we read from there in John 16. Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to us. And so we saw in there that he's going to be, he's going to convict of sin and judgment and, and that kind of stuff. But he's also all truth, the spirit of truth. Then we learn that everything that is the Father's is Jesus's. Everything that is Jesus's is coming to the Holy Spirit. And he's going to reveal it to us. So what did we learn? We need to know this guy. I mean, this is fundamental. Jesus is proclaiming here, I'm going to rule the church from heaven. And he's going to rule the church in the church. And so we've got this dynamic. You know, revealing God is so important for us because until we know who God is, we can't understand ourselves. It doesn't have a context if we don't know who God is. We just talked about this this morning. I said, I looked at the three parts of God like a, one of them plastic plates that you get at a picnic and they each have their little compartment and they don't let the stuff slosh from. And, and see, my problem was 
I had the wrong perception of God. I didn't see how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all blended into one, that they're really more like a salad, not like separate components on a plate. And that was my, and now I can see something in God that's different. I don't, I don't fear the Father. I don't think he's, I don't think he's indifferent to me. I don't worry about thunder and lightning. It's pretty cool, actually. You know, when we, we, then we moved to talk about how prophecy and his word reveals to us exactly what, how heaven talks about you. And we, had, we saw specific verses that just ignite us. We all seem to have those, a verse here or a verse there, that when we read it, it just stops us in our tracks and goes, wow. We've got to pause and say, that's one of your verses. Matter of fact, you should put it in your journal. If you don't have a journal, put it on your, write it in lipstick on your mirror. I don't care. <laughs> but it's, these are for you. He's saying, this is exactly how I see you. The identity in these passages belong to you. The power in these passages belongs to you. The names in those passages belong to you. And the experiences, this is so important, the experiences in those passages belong to you. God makes scripture very, very personal. And so we see that. You know, actually, we talked about it in our leadership meeting without our leader. <laughs> a little bit of a coup going on. Anyway, and we, we were going to ask each of us here, you don't have to do it today, but we would like to do it over the next week, to write down maybe one of your verses to share it with us that we can share with one another. Because you may not know, I'm unaware of a verse in Deuteronomy. I almost guarantee I'm not aware of a verse that's in Numbers. And, and it might be my defibrillator. It might start my heart beating again. So I think it'd be really cool if we could share them. If you know one of yours and want to write it on your Connect card, go ahead. But write it out. The only reason I say that is, it seems to me I can read my verses in a different translation and they, they don't seem to have the exact same impact. Michelle was talking about this too. I'm, an, I'm a New American Standard person. You know, every time I do a verse, it's always that. It seems like it speaks to me differently than NIV. I don't know. So, actually, I'm going to do one of my verses. This, I'm going to show you one of mine. It's from Ephesians. Remember I told you last week Ephesians was my crazy Bible, my book of the Bible. It, to, to me, Ephesians is crazy. Just one verse. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the, the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now you say, well, yeah, that's nice. I'm hearing this totally different maybe than you do. Because, see, I know God's infinite. His word speaks, and boom, past eternal, future eternal is spoken at the same time. So when he says this, every spiritual blessing, if it's been given to the apostles, he's going to give it to me. If he gave it to Moses, he's going to give it to me. If he gave it to Abraham, he's going to give it to me. If he gave it to Adam and his wife... He can give it to me. Those blessings are there because Christ rules from heaven. 
In heaven resides Christ. He is risen, and now those blessings are to be released in me. So I heard something maybe you didn't hear. But I heard it. And I always hear that. And you know what? I can go back to that verse time after time after time. And in the situation I may be in, in, in the situation I'm waiting for a blessing, and I'll, he'll say, did you read that? And I'm like, yes. That's what these verses do for you. And so they ignite you like nothing else. And they drive something that's so important, and that's our passion. Because God says, I want you to have this. Why do you think I told these people to write this stuff down? Because my word is eternal. God's speaking right now in the year 2050. And what he's speaking right now applies to the year 1954. I just use that because when I was born. Because I'm saying he was speaking what he's saying now, then, about me. And so he's saying, Chuck, you know what they talk about you in heaven, don't you? Let me give you a little verse. This is what we talk about. And I'm saying, that's not me. He's saying, yeah, that's you. He's saying, Marcus, I got a little verse for you I want you to read. Because that's who you are in heaven. And you know what Marcus says? Dynamite! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> okay. God expects you to stand on these promises. This is not idle. This is personal. He expects you to stand rejoicing, giving thanks and praise, moving from prayer to proclamation. He said, stop asking for it. I already told you, you got it. I don't call up my mom and say, hey, can I have the keys to the car? It's in my driveway. It's mine. So, we, I don't have to pray for it. Proclamation. You stand on it. You state it. I rejoice in his intentionality. I rejoice in his faithfulness. And I rejoice in his partnership in the journey. Your work and your experience and your persona, I want you to hear this really clearly, is how you get revenge on the enemy. Because your testimony like we had here. Your testimony of power, your testimony of, of permission sets others free. There's nothing like you set others free. So you're, you're going into Rick's office and taking somebody off that couch and you're putting the Satan right there and say, you, there, you get some counseling now. Because we mess up his life. He gets to the point he wishes he never knew us. That's what we carry with us when we know who we are in Christ. Is he, that's why he's always challenging our identity. If he can shake his identity, he can shake us up, and it, it affects our faith. If I can twist who you think God is, I can twist how you relate to him, and I can twist how you feel about yourself. But when you come to an understanding of who God is and who you are, something very, very, very powerful happens. And he knows it because your authority, it carries from your awesomeness and when you see God. It's our wonderment in God. It's our stunning, astounding God, God, that gives us our authority because we know who he is and who he's passing it to because we know who I am as a child. I don't come to God as a beggar anymore. I don't have my hat out and say alms for the poor. I say, Dad, come on. But see, 
Now, when you get these passages, don't just grab them and go, oh, that was nice. Treat them like a Christmas gift. Yay. You, you've gotten this package, and you've got to unwrap it. I know, some of you ladies, you save your bows. Save your bows. <laughs> and then you have to say, well, what is it? What is it? What is it? And really get into it, okay? Now there's a little bit of challenging news. A key element of identity, if, if or when a key element of our identity comes from a negative, then your experiences will also be negative. When you see yourself as a sinner, even a saved sinner, you'll be preoccupied with sin. As you enter your, your new persona, I mean, your relationship is going to rocket. To, you're going to have an acceleration with God like you just, you just sat down on a jet and you just go, I mean, 90% of you don't, oh, most of you do, I guess. If you knew me five years ago, only five years ago, I am nowhere near who I was five years ago. Because he said, you want first class or would you rather have a coach? I go, first class, no smoking. Shoom, you know. So, because see, your first birth was in Adam in sin. Your second birth is in Christ in righteousness. Yes. We're, not, we're not preoccupied in sin anymore. God's worried about your righteousness. He's, he's looking at your Christ-likeness. He's not looking at your stumble. He's looking at where you are in your path, where you're... Do you love the learning? Do you love the process? That's what he's looking at. He's not looking at your grade card. He's wanting to know that you're showing up for school. And so we, we get all preoccupied in the wrong things a lot of times. Because see, here, and you, I'm going to just tell you this right now because I've gone through parts of it. God wants to do a little, damp, a little violence to your, your negativity. He wants to crush it. And if you want to hang on to it, you might lose a finger. Because he really, he, he does not tolerate it. And he won't accept it. I'm, I'm one of the best whiners in the world. I'm, I got a PhD in whining. He won't put up with it. He really doesn't put up with it. I'm just letting you know. Here's why. He has a passion for us. He, he's a God of passion. And he, what he has for you, he has a passion he wants in you to move through you and represent him to others. He wants, I mean, his it, there's something very deep about this because his passion is deeply important. And so the passion he puts in you is deeply important to him. Your promises were given with passion out of the heart of God in order for your heart to burn. Your flesh and spirit just want to fight. They just want to fight. It's not a bad thing, necessarily. I mean, that's the world. It's a place to constantly leave you dissatisfied all the time. The world wants your identity. Do you understand that? The world wants to own it. It wants to warp it. You know, the world's the last place for humanity to flourish. The kingdom has a different idea. It's not, on, not based on what you to do. It's not based on your performance. It's based on your levels of passion. Passionate for something important. You ever thought about that? God's now asking you, give me your list of achievements. He says, what has your heart on fire? That's what God asks. So, 
You've got to get to the place where you understand God just loves to spend time with you. He gets a kick out of us. I mean, I don't have any grandkids, but a few of you might. I'm not, I'm not guessing. Some of you might have regular kids, too. When your little grandkids do something stupid, don't you laugh? I always do. I mean, I did with my, when my nieces and nephews when they were little. I'm like, go ahead and knock yourself out. I mean, I got a kick out of them. Because I saw ingenuity, I saw intelligence, I saw all these things that I really admire in people. I could see that emerging out of this little creature thing that they call kids. And it was just kind of cool. He's doing that with you. God said, I'm just, see, God is saying, let's go back to negative, God, in the negativity, God's saying, this is how you're known in heaven. And as soon as that happens, the world says, no, 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 no. The enemy says, no, no, no. This is how you're known. And the negativity rises. Because it's your old self that's rising up. Someone, someone used to own you, and he's not going to give you up without a fight. And that fight shows itself up in negativity. And so, and Jesus is telling you, I didn't just die for you. I died to all the negativity. I died to the old self. I died to all that is ugly. And I died to sin, collectively. All the negative. So that you would flourish in my good and in my light. And now look, we all have a long list of failures. I'm not saying this is a, overnight. I've had failures. I've had defeats. I've had people that have stabbed me in the back. I've had things that I thought were, I could never come out of. I've had things in my past I thought I should never even discuss in public. I, didn't ever like, I never liked telling people I, the level of my drinking and all the other nonsense I've gone through. I had a wife that was ready to leave me because I was such a nutcase. And then I have now so much more. But I can, I can live in that identity and say, I am a, I, don't get me wrong, but for those of you who are in recoveries of different types, I think Jesus has healed me. So I'm not a recovering alcoholic. That's history that I no longer carry with me. I know who that guy was, and that's not me. I can tell you about him, but I can't live like him anymore. Because that's not me. And so... The biggest, the first step, and one of the biggest steps, we've got to stop arguing with God. Yes. Yes. That's so good, Chuck. I mean, how many times do we do this? God says, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, yes, you are, no, I'm not, yes, you are. We do it all the time. I mean, look at old poor Gideon. Remember Gideon? Golly, Gideon's cool. Let's look at Judges 6. The verses are 12 through 18. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if God is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us out from, uh, up from Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, Go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said, oh, Lord, shall, who, how should I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh. That's it. And I'm the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, 
and you shall defeat Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that it is you who, who speak with me. Please do not depart from me, depart from here until I come back to you, and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. Wow. Show me a sign. God's talking to you. But but look here. God says Gideon is valiant, he's brave, he's a warrior, he's strong, he's a deliverer, deliverer and a victor. Your, your verses are going to say stuff like that, and you're going to say, not me. Look where you left me. I'm, I'm in a one-bedroom flat, and you're telling me I have all the riches of heaven? I can't afford to put gas in the car this week. And you're telling me I'm going to travel the world in your name? He's saying it's done. Gideon keeps saying, I'm defeated, I'm abandoned, I'm low in status in my community, I'm low in status in my family. He's just not convinced. But here's one other thing. When God releases your persona, he stays with you. Don't ever lose that part of it. He stays with you to make it real. No doubt. So until, if you're hearing something and it doesn't make sense to you yet, God is with you till it will. Uh That's so important. So what's the second step? Naturally, it'd be obedience. You heard God. He's telling you where we're going to go. Let's go! And you think that's easy. It's not that easy. But, see, you're in a partnership. You're in a partnership. You know what your contract is? His living word. He said... God has said, I am what God says I am. I think Paul said that. I have what God says I have. You have to declare these things. I can do what God says I can do. I accept and believe the holy word of God is mine. You got to declare these things when you read your words. Disobedience is just making excuses. And it occurs when we act outside of our identity. And God never responds to our excuses. Ours or Gideon's. And he's going to go forward and he's going to give us a crash course on how to restore his image in you. He's going to give you a crash course. I like the other one though. Oh gosh, I didn't want to go this late. Okay, Jesus, uh, let's go to Luke 8. All right, verses 22 and 25. We all know this one. All right, you guys can read it. I'm going to hit a couple of things. A couple of things I really want us to notice. It was Jesus' idea to get in the boat. And then what did he say? He said, get in the boat. This is where we're going. Am I right? It's a settled issue then. It's done. God has spoken. You do this. Let's do this. Whatever happens, it's done. It's settled. Now the storm comes up, and now they're all getting scared. And they're looking at each other. You know, John, you wake him up. You're the teacher's pet. You know. (laughs) So... You know, and then Peter goes, oh, I guess I can wake him up. Yeah. So now look at how this works. He comes the storm and says, you have little faith. Why? I told you we're going someplace. The second thing is, I'm with you. If I tell you to go someplace and I'm with you, 
Pack your bags. It's done. The third thing, and this is going to sound odd, but this is a really, really, really fundamental. This is so fundamental I can't say it enough. Wow. It takes courage to do what you're about to do. Yeah. It takes courage. If you think that this is just going to come automatically, it's not. Now remember last week I said, whenever God gives you a command, he's gifting you to me that person in the command to transform you and gift you to not just complete what he's commanding, but you to be in that command, that person. So he tells you, I want you to be a victor over all of this. He's not just saying the conclusion of, okay, you're going to win this fight, but no, you become a victor. And so he's going to gift you. So when he tells you, you have courage, he's going to build courage in you. You just have to be aware of the source of your courage. Let's look at Joshua real, real quick. Joshua, Joshua 1, 1 through 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of God, those of you who don't remember Joshua, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to you, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness of this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea forward, the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So that you may so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for, for that you will be made, make your way prosperous, and then you shall have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Now look at all these promises. I'm going to give this to them. I have, this, I have given it to you. It will be your territory. No man will stand before you. You shall give the possession. You will succeed. You will prosper. But look how many times does he tell them, be strong. Be strong. Be courageous. Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. These, are pe these, these, these people are crazy people. You, you ever work at a car dealership? Be strong, be courageous. <laughs> you got some crazy people walking around. And most of them sit in the finance office. <laughs> He's telling them to be a hero. Do you realize this? Heaven's going to be filled with heroes. Heroes. Why? You're saying, all I did was what I was supposed to do. That's what Paul just says. That's what Peter says. They don't know they're heroes. They didn't say, well, I'm thinking I'm just going to become a hero today. <laughs> they, 
they became heroes in their obedience and they, they fell upon and they relied upon the power of God totally in them. And they knew who they were. Peter got restored and became a powerful man. Paul needed a lightning bolt while he was taking a little horsey ride down to Damascus. And they were changed. Radically changed. Each of you have been changed. And you don't even know it, but you've been radically changed. You've been, you're dead to sin. You're alive in righteousness. If that's not radical, I don't know really what is. But a lot of us want to carry around this old carcass, this stinky old carcass, and throw negativity around. The resources are based on your trust and faith in God. God promised Moses that, that they're going to give him all the wealth. He just financed the economy of the nation of Israel by having an enemy fund it. Think about that. You don't think that's crazy? That, that people that put down, that don't like Christians might just fund everything you're doing? I tithe. I didn't like you guys. It can happen. <laughs> I mean, the fourth step, I'm going to do this real quick. I got two minutes. That's all I got. That's but all right. I'm going to use 10. So, <laughs> the fourth step is that sooner and, or later, you have got to come to grips with this. You are supernatural. You'd better come to grips with this. That is a vital part of your identity. You in Christ makes you supernatural. The Holy Spirit's power in you makes you supernatural. And if, and if you let that be a stumbling block, you will always have a hindrance of ever walking in, your, in your, who you are. You're supernatural. Different levels of supernatural. But you're all supernatural. And we, we reject that. Why? It's not logical. Of course it's not logical. It's God. Man decided that what was logical... Because God says, this is who you are. We talk about you all the time. We want you to heal somebody today. Just speak, speak it in my word and heal somebody today. We talk about this all the time. Oh, there, I know. Someone's getting disappointed because it's taking them a little while. That's all right. We'll, we'll get them something else to think about. They do this all the time. And here's the last one. All right, we're almost ready to start singing. The fifth step. And... and You've got to ask some questions when you get to your verse. When you get to that verse of that prophecy, you need to ask some questions. What are the keys you're giving me? Ask that question. God, what are, you, what, what are the keys you're giving me? What are you unlocking for me? And where would this lead? So ask that question. What in your character, going back to God's, what in your character do you want revealed? And pray into this. How should this cause a breakthrough? Boy, that's a big one. When God's given you a word, say, how should this word cause my breakthrough? And then, what negative has been demolished by your word today? What have you just trampled and stomped on and said, it's done? Ask, what new part of my character that you see is being revealed? What do you see? What part of my character are you seeing that I just don't have a clue even exists? Then I always ask this, how do I go deeper? Yeah. How do I go deeper? 
And, then I went, and as I do that, I, said, I always ask, how should I walk in my new promotion? See, he gives you these words because he's promoting you. you. You went from this spot in the kingdom, he's building you as a leader in the kingdom with these words. He's building you as, as something dynamic in the kingdom. That we were talking about this earlier, where Jesus says, or Paul says, you know, one, don't, don't be so quick to try to leave where you're at now that you know God. Because I'm building you right where you are. That's your, put, put my flag right where you work. Put my flag in your little community. Put, you know, go to the gym boom, for Christ. Put your, plant your flag. Whatever your, your people group is, plant your flag. Because here's why. Just as Moses made, was made wealthy, God wants to bless your people group as you come into your identity. Do you have a people group that would like to be blessed? That's what he's asking you to do. Come into, my, come into your identity as I see you. Come into my kingdom as I am leading you and be a blessing. And we practice, we've got we to practice. Not fake it, but practice. We've got to keep practicing. You know, um, it's going to sound hokey. You know what God's telling me? He's saying, he, see, here's what he told me a while back. He said, stop living a bit part in your own life. Stop letting everyone else define you, tell you what, who you are, what you are, and what you can become. I wrote a story for you, and you won't walk in your own story. He's saying, stop being a bit actor, a walk-on in your own life. He said, find out who I penned this story for and know where the story goes. Because I don't write sad endings. Everything's got a happy ending in the kingdom. And so, if you really truly love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor yourself, you must understand that your identity in Christ, in Christ's identity in you, is the only way you can truly share the joy of the gospel. So this is a process of fulfilling the great command of, of men and women in the kingdom. And so, has there anyone here that's never got a prophetic word? Never had a prophetic word spoken on them, ever. Ever. Not once. And this is not a time to be shy. We're talking about how powerful these things are. If you, no one? Everyone's had a prophetic word spoken on them? Okay, good. If you haven't, sneak up here during this next song while the, the worship leader comes up and move in this. This is kind of the end of, of, of this little series I'm doing. But I want us to each really come into our, our own identities. Take some of the verses that we've read here. If you don't really have a good verse yet, just pick a number from 1 to 150. <coughs> and then take time and read whatever psalm that is. You'll find, you'll find your words there. I mean, say, God, give me a number. 84. Okay. That's the beginning. Start there. But then make it a habit to keep writing them down so you can go back to them. Go back to them. It'd be like saying, what's my favorite restaurant? I forgot. It was really, really good. Wish I remember what it was so I could go back there again. You know, we need to, we got to use some common sense. It, 
let them words really move in you. Yeah. All right, let's, I'm going to close here real quick. A very short prayer because I'm already at noon. Those of you that have to go somewhere, unless it's a Colts game, if it's a Colts game, you have to stay till 2. Um, <laughs> not mentioning any names. <laughs> but anyway, Lord, your constant revelation, a revelation based on relationship, a revelation based on love, a revelation based on how can I teach my children to love me more so they can love each other more? And we find that by knowing exactly who you are. And I'll never know who you are. Godly, I search the depths of your mysteries. Another one of my favorite verses. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you've revealed so far, and I thank you for where you're traveling with me. I thank you that... You're touching on people and you're bringing the Holy Spirit into them so that there's a way that we can see you that we've never seen before that is so uplifting that you just want to leap. And while we're up in the middle of our leap, you catch us and then you slowly rock us. We just thank you that our time of meditation with you is so vitally important because it's so personal and so powerful that... Everyone around us is blessed because you speak to us. Our children, those of you who have children, spouses, parents, or if their parents are still alive, everyone you come in contact with. Do you understand that you got a coffee from somebody that just got blessed because you bought your coffee there? Because you carry light. Yeah. You carry light in a dark world. We're a world that, that emulates married with children and the Simpsons and all those kind of things that we say we're going to be heroic, we're going to have a breakthrough, we're going to have courage, and we know that the banner of Christ is in our hand, that we will not be stopped because Jesus spoke, that his word he speaks will carry me for the rest of my life. And we pray this and thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Yes, yes, and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.